0: listening to the Salty Witches podcast. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Cat and Cauldron's Austin, <laughs> Cat and Cauldron's Mike, <laughs> and Which Way Up Lauren. Hello!
1: Yes and we're very excited to have Lauren yes. back on the podcast.
0: Uh, we are going to do be discussing some Intense subject matter tonight as we are discussing the Salem witch trials and the romanticization romanticization therein. I'm having a hard time with that word. It's a um, tricky word. But there is going to be some discussion around things like slavery, physical abuse, and um, and the like. So fair warning, trigger warning thrown out there. If you proceed to listen to this and you get triggered, we are so sorry, but we warned you.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's important that we also kind of comment on the fact that, you know, that our pieces like this, uh, pieces of our history like this, you know, are more often, you know, they're, they're not pretty. Yes, and they're very know? important and, to us You understand. know, And we can't just turn a blind eye to the reality of, of the ugly and some exactly. of these, these things, you know, just because it maybe makes us a little uncomfortable. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely.
2: You know, Okay. All so right. I'm gonna hand this on over to
1: Mike and Lauren. I'll chime in Well, about have, I mean, well like I said, we'll we'll kind of have this way we do. We'll you know, we'll kind of have this kind of a discussion about this, I guess. But um, but to start off, I think and this is just gonna kind of get to the heart of this topic, Lauren. You're, you're you know, you are a historian. Yes. You're a teacher. Uh-huh. And from the conversation that we've had, because you, you've been on, I think this is like you're the fourth time you've joined us now. I think uh, so. <laughs> you, you've been on, on on prior episodes. We've discussed that a, a lot of your uh, specialty, a lot of what you really focused on with the mm-hmm. uh, with the history and the education that you have um, really was kind of around things like the, our topic tonight. Yeah. Um, so what would you say with all of that knowledge, uh, you know, with all of that, you know, I mean, you're, you're if anybody can talk on this, it's you. What mm-hmm. what would you say is really the most like the most misunderstood piece of the Salem witch trials? What is it that people really just kind of get wrong every time?
2: Um, I think it's twofold. The first being uh, everybody likes to blame uh, funky bread on the reason why all this was <laughs> happening for o- almost over a year. Okay. Um, okay, and the second is that the people who were affected would not identify with us as modern witches they were puritan people um and even though we like to as practitioners or as pagans whatever wherever you fall on that um, in that context mm-hmm. we like to kind of self-identify with them even though they were they were they were puritans they were christian they were pretty like fire and brimstone christians and um, what witchcraft was to them is not what we understand witchcraft to be for ourselves in the modern context.
1: Yeah I, it's funny I see that a lot uh, particularly as a kind of like a, a trendy Pinterest kind of thing I see the um, it. I, I don't know what you'd call it it's not a quote I don't think but like something along the lines of like um, we are the we're the, or the, or or grand- the
0: granddaughters, the
1: witches you can burn. Yes. Right. And I see that, yeah, and I just always kind of have to roll my eyes a little bit. It's like, really? really mm-hmm. wow. um, so you mentioned Funky Brett, and it's so funny that you, again, you kind of mentioned this up. You and I are kind of on the same wavelength tonight, uh, because yeah. I was going to ask you about ergotism um, yeah, uh, got poisoning and ergotism as mm-hmm. one of the um kind of one of the conspiracy theory kinds of ideas around this hysteria so so based on what you're telling us like that really is like that's that's nonsense right like that really isn't
2: that yeah most most people most scholars that have done research on the 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 reasonings why salem the salem trials happened mm-hmm. um largely will disagree with the one person who proposed that it was ergotism. Okay. Um, this is uh, in, the, in 1976, Linda Carperiel, I can't pronounce her name, but it she uh, publishes this article that says, you know, Nobody's apparently thought about this, but it must have been ergotism based on all the symptoms that what we'll call the afflicted girls had of these like contortions, hallucinations, all these different symptoms. It's clearly ergotism poisoning through ergot, which essentially is a parasitic mold that grows on like barley, wild grasses, things like that, um, that through the digestive process turns into LSD.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, right but immediately in the same journal that this article is published the next uh, iteration of it a bunch of people are disagreeing with her um, okay. because of just the way ergotism actually works it was actually it's we've known about ergotism since like uh, 1100 BC so it's been around for a long time
0: yeah. Isn't ergotism also one of the like the the things that we would attribute with lycanthropy as well
2: I think so, possibly. Um,
0: Sorry, off topic.
2: No, just no, good. My brain. Yeah, it's also known as Saint Anthony's fire or yeah. holy fire, right? It's this you you might have this like pins and needles feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but what a lot of people like to do with Salem is just boil it down to: yeah, they eat ate some funky bread and it caused a hysteria which ignores all the socio-political reasons why something like this happened. Because Salem is unique compared to the rest of the witch trials that we see across the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so that, again, maybe that, that's a good um, you know, kind, of, kind of bridge to one of the next points I wanted to talk about. Because I think, again, people often, uh, you know, they want to look for, I think, connections, particularly cultural, societal, uh, you know, connections of belief you know, around these kinds of situations. You know, I think it's just a part of a psychologically that seeks to understand how, right? How could this happen? Mm-hmm. And what was this, you know? So because you're, you you were just saying, you know, this, this Salem witch trials are really kind of, kind of very much their own kind of a thing. Um, can, you, can you tell me like, like really, are there any other historical precedents for like similar behavior amongst colonists? I would say even maybe prior, to you know like like these these same kinds of uh, religious movements or these same kinds of puritanical kinds of people you know perhaps in the UK and even in areas of Europe perhaps i mean is there is there really is there any parallel is there any similarity
2: sure i mean we see a lot of trials in which accusations happening you know as early as like the 1400s they've they've happened for a long time
3: yeah
2: um and we've just had had just persecution of other people's historically since i don't know humans existed you know um what happens in salem though is not ice like a small isolated accusation of a handful of people here or there Uh it's over 200 plus people are actually accused um in about a village of 500 people so all, just about half of the population of Salem at the time was accused of witchcraft. It wasn't just your, she's a witch, he's a witch, a couple people here or there are a witch. It was, it was massive. It was a massive population of people, yeah. um, for a variety of reasons.
1: Yeah. Okay. So okay. what then, I guess, with, with all of that prior, you know, what, all that information being presented so far, what, um, what, what really, what was it? What what was what was kind of the underlining, you know, like factor for all of this? You know, the the accounts of witchcraft, the hysteria, mm-hmm. like really, really, from from again, from a historian's perspective, not just a historian, mm-hmm. but also a pagan and a witch. You know, I'm um, a practitioner. Yeah. You know, what really, what what was it? What was it?
2: We can't boil it down to one thing. We can use the knowledge of. Um, what life was like back then for somebody who was a Puritan, um, as well as what did you know your your Western Europe uh, in that age think of for um, think of as a as a witch? Mm-hmm. There's this really infamous book called the Malleus Malificarum. Yeah,
3: the um, witch's hammer.
2: The witch's hammer, yes, yeah. by Heinrich Kramer, um, who we're pretty s- certain was a fraud. According to Kramer, he had a papal bull that kind of authorized this whole book that kind of gave it stamp of authority from the, from the Vatican. Yeah, okay. We're pretty sure that it was forged, um, so he didn't actually have that permission, mm-hmm. but he publishes this book that describes in detail how to identify, try, and execute a witch, And back then a witch wasn't somebody who, you know, pulled out a candle and, you know, did a prosperity spell or, or played with crystals and did tarot, a witch was a person who had made a deal with the devil. They had signed the devil's black book and the devil would use their spirit or what's called their specter to do, do its bidding, um, And a witch was inherently evil to them in this early modern age. There was no good witch. It was purely an evil thing. Typically, witches were women. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of boils back to original sin and Eve being kind of the first person to sin. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So women were viewed as weaker and easily, easily manipulated by the devil. Yes even though you do have men that are accused of witchcraft too. Um, But that sets the context for what a witch is to both Europe and um, colonists later on. Uh, From there, you have, it's 1692 in Massachusetts, in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, um, and life is not easy. The Puritans were fleeing religious persecution from Europe. Um, They... Initially, Salem Town and Salem Village um, kind of are working a little bit together. Salem Town is, if you were to go to Salem today, that's what Salem Town is. If you go down Essex Street and you see all the shops, um, that's Salem Town. Salem Village is modern-day Danvers. Uh, So when you hear people say the trials actually happened in Danvers, that's what they mean. Salem Village was actually the outskirt uh, rural area of Salem. Um, And they actually had just had their charter from the king revoked, so they were not essentially legitimized by by the crown over in England. Ah. They were fearing attack from the indigenous peoples around the area. Um, You also have a bad harvest in that same kind of time frame and just a lot of uncertainty. Life was hard for them.
1: Yeah, so I mean, we can see through a lot of that, just the, the mundane pressures and the, the things going on, in just the lives of these people, But I think certainly, yeah, where you know, mm-hmm. we look at, you know, we talk so much in our community about, you know, seeking the mundane source over the magical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. That's again, that's kind of a good example. So,
0: all right, would this be compar- comparable? Um, <clears throat> to what we see today with a resurging evangelical satanic panic movement.
2: Yes. I and that's I think why it's so important to remember what truly happened in Salem. Mm-hmm. Um I mean we'll we'll bring up the the elephant in the room that pastor Greg Locke in what Tennessee.
0: Yeah Waffle House witches There's, cracker barrel witches.
2: Right. I'd like to be a Waffle House witch. Um
1: Warren and I can hang out. I well, I think okay <laughs> sorry, real quick, so I'm I'm starting to read, but I guess I I missed that. I don't get that reference. What 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 did did he say that? Yes. What, so yeah. what is so what does that mean though? Like what is what is what was there's he, all different types of witches.
2: And so they're everywhere. Like,
1: yeah, that's what he's doing. Oh, okay, okay. I mm-hmm. was like, okay. He's inciting fear. He's still Okay, oh well, no, I yeah. just, I well no, I absolutely I understand that. I just um I was I saw somebody else say something along the lines of like a waffle house witch and a cracker barrel witch, and I'm like What is that? What is that? I'm like what is that from? I don't know what that I didn't know what that was. So anyway, so thank you, thank you for explaining Mm -hmm. that to me. Laura and I are gonna go be Waffle House, which is okay. Um if I have the choice between a Waffle House and a Cracker Barrel, yeah, um you'll find me at the Waffle House. Thank you. Thank you. Um anyway. Okay, I'm so sorry I interrupted you. So (laughs) you were saying though it is it is important for us to remember like historically, you know, these kinds of things because we do once again find ourselves even even, you know, in this moment. You know, we we uh in our world, our country, you know, we we find that we are again dealing with this same kind of Uh, zealotry and fear
2: yeah
1: Um, yeah hmm. all
2: right and I it what what might help for anybody who isn't super familiar with what truly happened in Salem um, there's a lot of mythos between Hollywood and how we how we perceive Salem as far as like witches and practitioners Um, it's not you have a, essentially two little girls who are really bored. Um, they're Puritans, right? So this is the fire and brimstone kind of Christianity. Um, and in Puritan belief, the everybody is already predestined to either go to heaven or hell. Um, and the only way to figure out where you were going to go is to kind of look for signs in your day-to-day life. Um, so it was you uh, the puritans lived with a lot of kind of like religious fear and anxiety oh yeah
3: um
2: but it was no fun no laughter no joy no like it was you work you pray you sleep you eat you work you pray you sleep you eat there was no fun mm-hmm. um so imagine the day-to-day lives of a women women or a, a child um where you have this bright imagination but You're just, you know, feeding the animals, you're doing the sewing, you're doing the um, growing, you're doing all of these little mundane chores. How do you, how do you let some of that childlike behavior out? Um, And that's one of the main theories of why all of this started was you have Abigail Williams, who's 11 years old, and the uh, niece of Samuel Parris, who is the Reverend of Salem Village at the time. And nine year old Elizabeth Paris, who both, who is the daughter of uh, Samuel Paris, both start behaving weirdly. And the adults want to know why, what's going on. There's no medical reason that we can see. So it must be you're bewitched by the devil and by some witches. Who are they? Tell us who they are.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, so what do you do when people keep poking the bear and asking questions and asking you to? Accuse a person. Tell us who, 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 who. Eventually, you're going to start saying what they want to hear, and yep. that's how this whole thing kicks off.
1: Hmm. All right. Now, I understand again, and I, you know, I, I know, of course, you know, I've studied the, the Salem witch trials. I think, I think, to be honest, I think any, any, uh, and this, this is just made you on know, my personal opinion, but mm-hmm. I think any, any, uh contemporary practitioner worth their salt needs to really kind of invest a lot in the history. Mm -hmm. Like we need to, we need to to learn our history. We need to know where Mm -hmm. we're coming from, even if it would appear to be history that doesn't really impact our practice. It's still good for us, I think, to know these things. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, so, but from what you were just explaining now, it it wasn't just the one girl, I mean, as the, as the fear and as the, you know, whatever kind of kind of grew, um, you know, this this was something that really kind of take over took over like this whole yes. um, community. So so after Abigail, after after kind of like like the beginning of this, I mean, mm-hmm. how how do you see or, or how would you potentially um, explain kind of the spread of this? Like, what other sure. kinds of motivations? What other kinds of things maybe were kind of coming up um, to to really to kind of like basically add fuel to this fire?
2: Sure, a lot of it has to do with um, the different outcasts that are in that society at the time. The first handful of people accused are Tichaba, the, the uh, slave of Samuel Paris, mm-hmm. who was, um, there's mixed, mixed ideas of where she was from. Some people say she was from Africa. Some people say she was from the Caribbean or um, one of the earlier records or, uh, Guesswork that we have suggests that she was an Arawak woman. Um, She's accused. Uh, We also have Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne, who were both accused. Um, One of them being somebody who is a beggar, doesn't have a home. Um, So they first start targeting these people who are not, you know, who are easy, easy victims. They're people that everybody can point out and say, they're weird or they're odd. They don't fit in. Yeah. Um, from there, once those three are arrested, now they're being interrogated um, and pressured to make more accusations. Tituba famously, you know, starts, is one of the first people to actually confess to being a witch, but we have to keep in mind, she was also, you know, she was the slave of Samuel Paris and was more than likely beat um, into confessing yeah. um, and even more and pressured more and more and more to name other people mm-hmm. um, and the same thing with all of the other accused people they they, they were interrogated quite fiercely um, often under torture yeah. and at certain points you the, people just break and you start saying whatever you can to stop it yeah
1: Well, wasn't there also because if i remember correctly from uh from my studies was it there also um like promise of of redemption and forgiveness right mm-hmm. the process of confession like if you yeah. confess to you know your evil doing like you you had uh you know people within these communities that were like you know like well if you confess this you know we you know you can you know, in essence, you can be saved, right? Like we, you know, right.
2: Um, you yes, were I more know. likely to survive the trials if you confessed to being a witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people who refused to confess were the ones who ended up dying more often than not.
3: Yeah. Well,
0: they they, they would. When you confessed to being a witch, from what I from what I read, obviously the the the, the torture would stop, somewhat, um, mm-hmm. because at that point they got what they wanted, yeah. but the promise
1: of redemption was also banishment from the village. Mm-hmm. Uh, very often. Yes. Yeah. Very often. These people yeah. were uh, made exiles. Yeah. Um, so speaking of this, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to really spend too much time on this, but yeah. I, I think it is, it's important or I think it's significant for the people who listen to this episode to kind of understand, um, you know, kind of a little bit more of what we're talking about when we, we talk about torture and confession under duress Um can you tell me, like, what, what would these people potentially have been put through when we talk about torture? Sure. What, was, what was being done to these people?
2: Uh, one of the most famous examples in, in the Salem trials is Giles Corey, who is pressed. Um, mm-hmm. He is. No,
3: wait.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, he is laid on the ground because he refuses to submit to um, a confession. He will not say he's innocent and he will not say he's guilty. Um, he refuses. Um, they lay heavy rocks on his chest, trying to press a, confet- a confession out of him, and he just uh, is quoted as saying, "More weight, more weight, more weight," until a, a few days later he dies. Um, that's one example. Some of the other things that they used to do is, you know, you would hang from your, you would essentially hang from your wrist, or um, your body would be put under certain like painful positions, and to to hopefully get you to say something to stop the pain, um, a lot of these are actually described. These methods are described in the Malleus Maleficarum.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um. You know, there's there's the idea that if they put you in the water and you drown, then you're you're not a witch. You you survived. You're yeah. you're, you're, you're not a witch. You uh, you drowned, um, but you would still end up dead. Yeah. <laughs> um if you floated, then you were a witch and then you would be hanged. There was no winning situation.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so no one was burned during the trials?
2: No. there In America, we hang our witches. We don't burn our witches. Yeah. Um, all of them were hanged, except for Giles Corey, who died under um, the pressing. Uh, so yeah. Uh-huh. Okay.
0: Yeah. Wasn't burning witches more of like a that happened in Europe and Spain. I think, yeah, I think yeah Europe, that's more of a European
2: thing.
1: Yeah, kind of like inquisitional kinds yeah. of trials. Yeah. That, that, that so, the fires would purify yeah. the soul of the witch. So mm-hmm. it, it makes sense to me, okay? And I, I guess, um, well, okay, actually, before I go there, one of the other things that, that I, I find comes up a lot and, and uh, in discussions of the Salem witch trials, just, I think just witch trials in general, um, you know, and that I think also continues to uh, be a source of confusion for people is uh, this understanding that a lot of the uh, eventual, maybe not initially, but a lot of the eventual accusations, many of them were politically, or I would say almost economically motivated. So is there historical evidence for that? I mean, it would make sense to me knowing people the way that we do, right? Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, so what about that?
2: So there is actually, one of the, the families that were um made up a lot of the accusers were the Putnams um fun fact I've met a descendant and that was a really awkward conversation uh he, he introduced himself I'm I'm John Putnam I'm like like Salem Putnam yeah huh. oh no wow. oh no interesting <laughs> <laughs> um but the Putnams and I was it the Porters or the Proctors they uh I make dyslexia makes me mix those two up. Anyhow, um they had a family feud going on. It was they they were feuding back and forth over land. It was very uh there was a lot of factions in Salem Village.
3: Yeah.
2: Um so you have that going on. You have people who just don't like Sam Paris at all because he was kind of a crappy minister. Um, he was also, you know, really annoying about his his contract with the village because, um, you know, they money was not that big of a thing. It was more um, bartering, right, bartering yeah, system. And yeah. so he was really persnickety over his his contract. So he was irritating everybody. Um, but you have a lot of these little like family feuds that add to the accusations so the the Putnam's would be more likely to accuse people on the opposing side um to try and kind of I mean land grab land grab resource grab all of these kinds of things
1: yeah okay all right yes I I I remember hearing that and like I said yeah and I, I don't get I I might have probably sound like very cynical but um but again, I want to repeat, knowing just, you know, people in general, the way that we do, you know, mm-hmm. and how a lot of the world, unfortunately, kind of works now. I mean, it would make sense to me, like, you know, we didn't, you know, that isn't a new thing, right? We, we've always had those jerks in our communities, right? Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. All right. A lot of what we've talked about, um, you know, going back to some of the things that, that you know, that you already kind of shared. You know, uh, particularly around uh, concepts of, you know, women in these communities being more likely to be, you know, like corrupted or fallible, mm-hmm. you know, and then of course we see um, the issues of, I, I would say, you know, uh, xenophobia and race, particularly where Tichuba is, mm-hmm. is where I you know, I mean, would it would it make sense? You know, um, or I'm, I'm sure you know. Well, like I said, I'll get. I want to. I want to get your take on this. But it would seem to me that a lot of this, a lot of the um, hysteria, the fear, and and a lot of the the resulting action uh, was really primarily rooted in good old fashioned misogyny and and racism. You know, I yeah. Mean, I would think that that would certainly be a, a factor here. Um, Beyond that, I, I want to say again, and I know that there, as we were saying, there were, you know, there were a number of men that were accused, but, but again, the majority of the uh, people accused were were women. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah,
2: there's always there's definitely that level of of misogyny and um, religious zealotry, mm. and the and the racism that is inherently tied into these accusations. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were not a submissive. Um, head down don't speak up woman you were likely to be accused and that's where we see a lot of the women who are accused in Salem kind of falling Bridget Bishop is a great example Um, she's often described as a really like cranky old woman Mm -hmm. um, and was actually accused of witchcraft prior to 1692 as well Mm -hmm. Um, but you have that you have you have um one of the first accused sarah sarah uh good Good. yeah (laughs) sarah good who is um you know she was a, a beggar and living in poverty so she was a burden upon society to them um you have sarah osborne also who was um considered an outcast because she had Uh, was romantically involved with one of the indentured servants in Salem so there's a lot of these like you've stepped out of line and you are now vulnerable for that
1: yeah okay yeah I just again I just all these things that come up just I just want to like just the the ugliness of of humanity of these yeah anyway Mm -hmm. right so so for fun Okay. What, and I, and I'm just mm-hmm. curious, you know, maybe, you know, like this will, will, like, you know, sidebar, just a little bit of a different tone here. What in the minds of the, of the Puritans and, you mm-hmm. know, and, and based on the, the stories that were shared that, you know, the reports of witchcraft that were, you know, shared by, um, you know, by the, the women and the, you know, the accusers, um, what was it that the colonists were experiencing from the witches? I guess I'm, I'm always, I'm always, I always kind of get a little bit of a giggle around that. Like what was it that these witches were doing that was so horrible?
2: So they, the, the symptoms of being bewitched kind of fall into two camps. The first being physical kind of ailments like, um, hallucinations you're like contorting in a weird way gasping in a weird way um feeling like you're being poked and pinched and and bitten um so you have those and then you also have these reports of seeing their specter at night or um in in places where they're not supposed to be which when described sounds a heck of a lot like um night terrors where they're sitting on your chest and you're seeing them and you can't move, you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are your lar- largely your two symptoms. Now you have other other examples where um, after a conversation, immediately somebody fell down dead, or their cattle died, or one of their their prized cow died. Um, somebody was also reported to have a nosebleed during a, a heated conversation with one of the people they later accuse. Yeah. Um, so happenstance or, or what, it, it could be a variety of things.
1: Yeah, so that was one of the other things I always kind of found of interest is that so many of the, the symptoms, so many of the things that were attributed to, uh, you know, witches and, and, you know, having been mm-hmm. bewitched, you know, these were all things that were so uh, really, you know, relatively most of them easily explainable.
2: Right and how do you how do you explain away spectral evidence there if if the witch's specter or their spirit um, is attacking you, it's something invisible happening, how can you prove it? Yeah well, at that point they the the court that was actually hearing these cases um, they were not looking they were not, Trying people as if presumed innocent, they were presuming yeah. them to be guilty immediately. Yeah. So it was already an unfair trial completely. Um, and you, you, how do you prove that you're not a witch when the only evidence is somebody claiming they saw your your spirit? Because mm-hmm. um, it's not like you can say, "Well, I, no, I was at home." It's it's not that simple anymore. Yeah. Um. So in, in fact. <laughs> one of the more wild accusations and executions that happen are, is George Burroughs. And he was actually one of the uh, ministers for Salem prior. He's the only minister that is accused and executed. Um, and he famously recited the Lord's prayer while he was on the gallows. He, which is something a witch is not supposed to do,
1: yeah. um, a
2: witch is not supposed to be able to recite perfectly the Lord's prayer. And he did it and they still executed him.
1: Well, yeah i mean once that you reach that that fever pitch of, of, of again of fear and paranoia yeah mm-hmm. i mean, there, there really isn't much i think they could really shut down that mob yeah so right I mean, that would make sense. they want blood yeah. right yeah. yeah
2: and to the larger massachusetts bay colony this was not that big of an issue on their agenda mm-hmm. um governor phipps who is the one the, the governor of the massachusetts bay Colony, mm-hmm. um he's more worried about you know war with the the indigenous people and the french in the area he's not concerned with this little gathering of people over in salem village they can take care of themselves he so it's not even getting proper attention from authorities that could mediate this until it's much later in the year in in 1692 when they finally say uh something's weird we need to kind of chill out here. There's too many people accused. Too many people dead now. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, this—I mean, the the Salem witch trials are, of course, I think probably some of the most um, famous, famous, infamous, mm-hmm. infamous, infamous. Um, you know, but 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 again, I want to say, um, within, um. You know within within the us you know at that point you know like you know the colonies Mm -hmm. um these trials if i remember correctly didn't didn't these kick off kind of a string of other witch hunts and witch trials kind of like through the colonies
2: yeah there's a few after um they really start tampering down uh at the beginning of the 1700s um you don't see many more after you don't see large cases after salem um in Europe, prior to Salem's witch trials, Europe was already tampering down as well. Okay. Um, and after after the the courts stopped allowing spectral evidence, they really kind of mm-hmm. fade out, essentially.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, at that point, there would there would have been um, it would have been much harder to prove your acute your accusation.
2: Right. Uh, hmm.
1: Was there ever, to, to your knowledge, because this is one of the other things I've always kind of been a bit curious about. Um, was there ever, to your knowledge, any uh, any historical evidence or anything that would support that any of the, at least the initial mm-hmm. users, that any of them suffered any kind of, um, I would say, like mental health kind of issue? Like, is it possible, you know, I mean, because this is just conversation right. with others, you know, and of course, obviously, this is all conjecture, right? This is Sure. All, you know, we don't know, but but I mean, would it, uh, would it make sense in any, in any of your information? Um, was there ever anything going on or ever anything that maybe was... Kind of a like a belief or an idea, like okay, like the, m- maybe these are people that actually were dealing with some sort of psychosis. You know, maybe not sure er- maybe not ergot-induced psychosis, but something.
2: Right. Well, and it's certainly possible. I mean, I can't imagine being in the position some of these girls and women were and not being like depressed or anxious and and all that. But um, interesting. Look, one of the easy ways to like prove ergotism wasn't the issue. Mm -hmm. uh ergotism also causes gangrene and there's no reports of people like dying or losing limbs based on the sickness Mm um so it's still like it's still bizarre to me that that's why everybody i think everybody just likes to want to imagine that everybody was tripping on acid Mm -hmm. um anyhow um but they certainly could have been you know having actual hallucinations that's that's certainly possible um when you live in a in a atmosphere of so much anxiety and fear and also out in practically the wilderness mm-hmm. everything's going to be scary um it
1: well I think I mean, it would make sense you would have other like physiological issues as well you know you're going to have I would I would assume uh, you know like uh, you know people are malnourished mm-hmm. uh, you know you're going to have um other kind you know other kinds of things going on you know particularly over a prolonged amount of time you know, mm-hmm. where where even just from pure phys- purely physical kinds of issues, you know, you're you're going to see a breakdown in, you know, the psyche of, of right. people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. right. So I look so here's kind of another odd question. So okay. um or maybe maybe get kind of a little bit of a fun one. So in recent years,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, we have uh, the movie The Witch. Yeah. Or the what is it? The the Vitch. The Vivitch. <laughs> I hate it when people say that, but yeah, but The Witch. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so based on the portrayal, because I think when, when that movie came out, and I, and I really, you know, forgive me, I hate to reduce these things to pop culture and, you know, uh, and, and Hollywood, but, um, you know, but when that movie came out, I, I kind of thought that that movie was actually a fair representation of kind of what was going on, the mindsets and the beliefs. Oh, absolutely. Uh, of the puritans in that scenario um, you know even the stories even the uh kind of the superstition around what witches were and you know and what we were up to you know right. um, in, in, you know in that in that context right so what's your what's your take on that with all the historical knowledge you have
2: oh i agree i really i really enjoyed the witch to be honest out of any out of any movie that could have portrayed this kind of scenario the witch i think did it really well um and even outside of the actual true supernatural you know she really is one she really did sign the book with the devil spoiler alert sorry if you haven't watched it
1: yeah um <laughs> that movie's been out long enough i'm
2: sure right <laughs> if you haven't oh well um, they're they're portraying that fear and how any one little wrong move could get you accused i mean was it she lost her 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 nephew brother? brother?
1: Yeah, her younger
2: brother. Yeah. yeah. How easy would it be to blame blame somebody for that or blame blame magic if 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 you're trying desperately not to believe what's believe that something terrible just happened, you're gonna find any excuse to reason with it or not reason with it, but um justify what happened. Yeah. And in a world where the supernatural was always trying to harm you and attack you like it is in puritan society Mm -hmm. um it's it's easy to fall into that that fear
1: yeah yeah fear is always a trap yeah -hmm. Yeah. all right well what else you know with all that we've talked about is there is there really anything else that you feel is um, of benefit I you know we always try to you know we we do this podcast and of course we want you know people of, regardless of their you know level of experience or knowledge or uh, you know whatever particular practice or tradition they might be in, involved in We, you know with this this is a podcast that's made for everyone um but uh, you know but but maybe focusing a bit more on say like maybe newer practitioners people that are really kind of just starting to get their you know their toes wet around these kinds of practices mm-hmm. um what, what is it or would there be anything else about the Salem Witch Trials that you, you could see would be of value, like knowledge that would be of value to, to newer practitioners?
2: Sure. I think because Salem is something near and dear to everybody's heart, both modern Salem and historic Salem, um, understanding the history, like we've said earlier, is I think vital to that. Um, and in understanding its modern history you know it, if the show bewitched never happened we wouldn't have salem as it is today mm-hmm. um and it's so much fun to go there it is so much fun in october or even outside of their main tourist season mm-hmm. but remembering that you know this was a tragedy this was um that resulted in you know 19 being people being executed, one being pressed to death, all of which that never got proper burials according to their belief system. Yeah. Um and you know it it didn't just stop there. The people who were still in prison, they had to pay shackle fees. Um so some of them didn't get out of prison even after they've been exonerated for a long time because they owed the the government money essentially. Yeah. Um it 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 traumatized people. So being respectful of who these people were um, regardless of what they believed in I think is important um but a lot of the mythos from Salem has woven its way into our our practices too um
0: well the sheer romanticization of it you know the the claims a lot of people talk about about like I was actually a descendant of one of the witches hung and it's like but they probably weren't a witch
2: mm-hmm. yeah you know well in fact the, the the little there were little like folk practices happening in Salem yeah um there's the, like, the witch's cake which was baked to try and discover who the initial witches were mm-hmm. um if you look at a lot of our historical grimoires what are they protecting people from the spells that are in there are protecting people from witchcraft hmm which I find interesting, yeah. um, that historical context is important to all of our folk magic beliefs and all of our folk magic practices. Without it, those practices really wouldn't exist if we didn't have that historical background. Yeah.
0: Well, even in, in Italian magic, you have, you know, in Italian folk magic, you have the Malficari and the Benedicari, and there's, there's this idea that there's the good witches and the bad witches. But Mm -hmm. the good witches will never call themselves a witch, you know. Um, And so all folk magic centers around not necessarily calling yourself a witch, which is why there are certain practitioners like Matt, who Mm -hmm. Matt won't call himself a witch. Right. Well, because it's not appropriate to the the culture or the practice. Exactly. And where there's people like us who are reclaiming that word or trying to reclaim and empower that word, Mm -hmm. there are also Mm -hmm. people out there who are trying to reclaim and empower other words, like warlock, um, which historically actually literally has no... Right. Yeah, it doesn't mean betrayer of coven or anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually think historically it just is a term used for a male sorcerer.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so it's very interesting to see that a lot of the grimoires that we focus on and that we can pull history from, that we would look at as modern witches and say, oh, that's witchcraft. Back in the day is, no, that's not witchcraft. It's to protect against.
2: Right.
0: Using magic to defend against magic.
2: And I find for new new members to the occult and to, to magic in some older members too tend to have this very like this dichotomy that it's it's witchcraft against christianity and that's it they can't interact it's either one or the other where you have all these these traditions that are, are so culturally rich within a variety of, of cultures that you can't distinctly separate it's, it's not a dichotomy. It's not us versus them. There's a very wide range of practices, um, whether they be syncretic, whether they, they, even newer practices and things like that. You just, we, we need to understand that it goes a lot deeper than just, I'm a witch and I, I, only work with this and you can't be a witch if you don't believe this. Magic is not just for witches. It's for, uh, it, magic is in every freaking religion you could possibly oh, think yeah, of yeah. in one way or another.
1: Well, I, I guess situations like this, you know, um, well, touching back upon maybe maybe what Austin said, you know, I, I think we're, we're seeing, and again, speaking specifically on, you know, the cultures of origin for our own uh, witchcraft tradition, you know, I think for many years there was this idea or this belief, almost like it's almost like people want, like there was a desire to believe this. And I don't think that this this happened, or I, or I, I should say, I think this happens really in every culture where you see a mm-hmm. little bit of that that, like you say, that dichotomy, that dynamic between religion and witchcraft, or religion and folk practice, um, you know, religion and paganism, right? Uh, but but in the Mediterranean, um, I think for many years there was this uh, almost again, I want to say, a desire to believe that. The persecution and the struggles uh, historically experienced by many Italian and Sicilian folk practitioners and witches, mm-hmm. um, the 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 Church, the Catholic Church in particular, was was like almost almost wholehearted or uh, single handedly responsible for the potential extermination of those practices. But uh, right. I, think, I think anthropologically, uh, we're we're now understanding more and more that the reason that those folk practices and witchcraft practices exist to this day. In the Mm -hmm. Mediterranean is because Because of of Catholicism, right? Yeah, and so yeah, so and again, I want to say I think that parallels in many other cultures Mm -hmm. where you see a predominantly religious faith and then you know the alternative. Um, Would it be fair to say, uh, Lauren, that the this again in this instance with the Salem witch trials, this is another example of how so much of what we have uh, knowledge historically of alternative spiritual practices, paganism, whatever title you want to give it, Um, that so much of what we have historically really is, you know, it really is kind of documented and shown to us through the Christian lens.
2: Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, even within my own religious pagan practice, most of our documentation for Norse paganism happens after Christian, Christianization in that, in that area. So you have a lot of A lot of the records were written by Christians or influenced heavily by Christians, whether it be translated Mm -hmm. um, or people were writing it down in a way that a Christian wouldn't think it's, you know, witchy or, or pagan or something like that. Um, There's, and we're also a Christian, as much as we might not like to hear this, we're also all in a rather Christian dominant society. So, Mm yeah even to be raised a either atheist or even raised pagan you are still filtering some kind of through through some kind of christian lens because that's how our entire western society has been set up
1: yeah Um, those are those are kind of our the basis for our societal values right yeah which is i think why we have some of the problems that we do in our country Uh, absolutely yeah um not to say that pagans are perfect because god knows we're not but
0: um, I always love having Lauren on like I have Lauren and then I have you and I'm just like I am in the room with people with big very smart brains and I do not feel that smart but I'm absorbing all the knowledge I can
2: have <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, I, I elevator music in my head 24 7 don't oh. let me fool you I'm, I'm
0: literally just sitting here and I'm like oh my god we have to figure out a way to have Lauren teach a class here at the shop oh that'd be cool for like a lecture yeah, yeah, well, like would. Lauren could totally do like a lecture for for I don't know like the witch t- Salem witchcraft trials that or something be like really that. cool and, and we can I mean
1: and all that could be streamed Ooh, we may, we may, maybe we need to talk about that that would be kind of cool Ooh. Um,
3: yeah. so, all right. <laughs>
1: well, so Lauren, Lauren are there are there any other is there any additional information that you would mm-hmm. like to share with our listeners that we haven't maybe covered or maybe anything you'd like to kind of recap? on this particular topic, because I think that this does continue to be a very fascinating one for for really everybody in our community.
2: Um, I think I'm always a resource person, so it's very easy to find these sources online for free. Most of these are all court records. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, just a simple Google for Salem witch trial records, you're going to find so much information about it. so take advantage of that. If you are lucky enough to be able to go to Salem, don't ignore the historical sites. There's actually a, quite a few there that you can visit that are from 1692, like the Rebecca Nurse Homestead. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also visit the Sam Paris archeological site, which is really interesting. It's kind of like situated behind somebody's house and it, you can just walk right up to it, oh. um, but you can actually visit the the foundation of where all of this started, um, which is kind of surreal, uh, but it's very quiet there. And it's a very interesting atmosphere. Yeah, um, right. Don't take, don't just um, ab- support the businesses short, but like, don't ignore the history. Don't ignore the actual reason why all that stands and what allowed it to stand. Yeah. Um,
0: the, the one time I went to, to, to Boston, I was doing the audition circuit and mm-hmm. i i got to do salem and so i, I uh, because i didn't know how to get there or how close i was i ubered to salem
3: <laughs>
0: Five minute uber i paid a pretty penny for it but it was worth it oh, yeah. um but but i i just remember like i didn't as, as much as it was nice to go into enchanted and see laurie and and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of poke around and see those things laurie cabot
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. um um I wanted to go to some of those historical sites and when i finally went to some of those historical sites i it was lauren had it has it right it, it's it's quiet mm-hmm. but it's like eerily quiet well almost it's that feeling you get when you walk into a cemetery at night but it's not just a cemetery it's everywhere Mm-hmm. And connecting with some of the spirits as a medium and seeing some of it, a lot of those spirits are actually really happy with how we've brought so much light to the situation.
2: But then Mm -hmm. there are still
0: a few who are still quite angry and quite Mm -hmm. upset. Um, Understandably. But the land spirits are actually quite happy.
3: Yeah.
0: So
1: it was was very interesting. I'd imagine that would be very difficult. I mean, you know, I, I, of course, am totally ill-prepared to put myself in the shoes of any of these people that would have been accused but but I would imagine I mean you are a member of a community you are of the same religious belief yeah. you know and then to have all of that questioned and all of a sudden now to find yourself on the outside of that community I mean whether you were found guilty of witchcraft or not I mean yeah these people their lives are never the same yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah so so Todd you want to talk about trauma yeah. absolutely so, yeah. Oh, Lauren. So I I did have one more question for you, and this one could be a little, sure. bit harsh, I think, for some probably probably for some of our listeners. You know, this this one might seem a little charged, um, mm-hmm. could be. But so I one of the one of the interactions that I've had over well, I shouldn't say one. I've had I've had a few interactions over the years where I've had to correct. Um, usually, someone who just you know they just really you know, they just haven't learned as much as they should have, you know, and they're they're well-meaning in, in what they're saying, you know, but um, but I've had a few interactions over the years where I've had to correct someone who has made comments to the effect of, like, the Salem witch trials is like the witch holocaust, Ugh. you know, and things like that, and yeah, I, I'm right there with you, that's always been a huge challenge for me, um, and, you know, and of course, and, and no way, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not Jewish, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, but I am part of an ethnic group that was also targeted by the Third Reich, um, you know? And so, um, so what would you have to say to people who maybe who are, are making a comparison there because they there really, there can't be one.
2: Uh, my first thought is why do you want to be persecuted so bad? Mm-hmm. Um, because, even though we are an alternative religious and spiritual belief we do not have it anywhere near as bad as the jewish people or as the the roma or any of these other historically persecuted groups um even in the european trials the people who were executed it, it it's still not what people think it is yeah. um you do have people who may have been like midwives or folk practitioners of some kind but it's there's a lot of this misinformation of this like historic witch cult that's existed this whole time and that's the only people that have been executed yeah. thanks um, Gardner. right and like uh, was it margaret murray yeah, yeah. Margaret yeah murray. Margaret murray. Oh, right yeah. which like <laughs> I get Wicca was trying to establish some kind of lineage and some kind of validity for being a new religion. Yeah. Um, there's a whole, that's, it can be a whole other conversation, that's but like
1: another podcast episode. Yeah. Oh, oh that, yeah. That would be a good topic to discuss as well. Yeah.
2: But it's, it's never appropriate to compare something to the Holocaust. Um, unless you're literally talking about any other genocide that has happened. Yeah. Um, yeah it's not it's it's just not You're it's apples and oranges and they're it's not not okay yeah. um now correcting something like that uh or that thought behavior I think boils down to just education about what all that what happened in those situations
3: oh yeah yeah
2: um, and that's a that's a hard thing for people to grasp. Sometimes is how how devastating some of the like things like the Holocaust were. Yeah. then um, people would rather ignore it than than confront oh, yeah. it.
1: Oh, yeah. Some yeah. Some of those chapters in our history just just I mean just humanity. You know, yeah. Just general, yeah. Some of those chapters in our history are they, they really mm-hmm. it. they're just they're too painful for a lot of people to bear.
2: Right. Uh, but yeah. again, it's not. There were no witches killed in Salem. Yep
1: yeah
2: and point blank
1: yeah all right well you have anything else austin i'm no
0: we're good let's go on to the next mm-hmm. segment because lauren wants to be a part of that one too oh okay cool um okay. so we are recording this episode on february 24th 2022 at nine ten p.m mountain standard time um lauren is eastern standard time i do believe mm-hmm and and about, let's see, what was it? This time yesterday?
3: Yeah.
0: So it happened overnight. It happened yeah. overnight. Um, Mother Russia decided to invade Ukraine. And... Uh, well, Mother Russia didn't decide. Vladimir Putin yes, decided. Vladimir Putin yeah. decided uh, to invade the Ukraine and create another fucking war. Um, and so we have this segment where we take big things happening in the world and talk about how we would approach them on a magical level. Now, for those of you who are on social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatever that is, understand that yes, throwing magic at this can most certainly do something, but making sure that you're donating to proper causes, signing the petitions and being active physically as best as you can is also something that will help. That being said, how would we want to address this on a magical level? A Mm -hmm. lot of people I've been seeing coming across my For You page are protection, protection, cleansing away the influence, hex, 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 Mm -hmm. hex, hex. Mm -hmm. And I have been doing this for quite some time and, Y'all need to uh, step outside the box. Think outside mm-hmm. of the box, right? So, I will let you both go first, okay? Because mm-hmm. Mike already knows how I'm going to approach this. Because we've just we've been discussing it all day with the color. <laughs> so,
1: well, actually, I'd, I'd like yeah. to maybe get um, you know, not to not to put you on the spot, Lauren, but um, but, you sure. know, what what would you recommend to people who are you know uh, magical practitioners who are again or maybe just looking for a way to supplement you know mundane action. You know with a little bit of you know mm-hmm. a little bit of spell work perhaps or you know um, energetic work you know what, what 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 could you say or maybe what could you suggest for a situation like the the current war happening or, or you know struggle going on in, in the Ukraine with Russia do you have any ideas
2: I do um I think on two on two separate levels there's things anybody could do First being, if you were trying to support the mundane aspect um, on witnesses' side, so like for us who are watching this happen in the news that kind of don't have all that much we can physically do to help other than maybe, you know, donate, but even still, how is it going to get over there? Um, uh, Aid your ability to understand what's going on. Um, so maybe doing something for clarity or for, you know, increasing how fast or how accurately you can absorb the, the news or something to help you consume and process the information that's happening.
3: Um,
2: and then on the other hand, there's a lot of people who are, uh, very anxious right now and trying to get a hold of loved ones that might be in Ukraine. Um, people that are being sent back to Ukraine. Uh, A lot of, a lot of um, communication is lacking for people um, who have loved ones there. So perhaps something to aid in that, um, aside from trying to just hex Putin till we're blue in the face, or, you know, generic protection for Ukraine, which isn't very, I mean, easy to do for one which let alone a bunch either i mean that how that's a massive massive energetic task that your 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 people are suggesting which is not yeah. so simple um but yeah i would say something for like communication for the people who are trying to get a hold of loved ones um whether that be you know i think it, in a long distance aspect mm-hmm. angel spell would probably be the best
3: yeah
2: or even like in like doing some cyber witchcraft and getting some like magical hashtags or sigils that kind of a thing yeah,
1: going I, on yeah I, I find things like this you know when we look at um you know as witches when we want to kind of uh, get in and support these kinds of situations you know whatever the situation may be but it you know but it's something that is impacting kind of the world right or mm-hmm. a good portion of it yeah I find that um kind of rallying the troops you know getting you know networking connecting and getting as many other practitioners kind of in line um is kind of a good way to go i think you know you you talked about how you know as one practitioner you know using your influence to try to completely turn a situation like this around is really probably not going to be your best strategy yeah just right. up failure. yeah but you know but but yeah i think you know as we can raise more attention and get more people to kind of speak out you know not just as you mm-hmm. know like, you know, not just as magical practitioners, but just as, as humans, you know, like this is, this is not good. This is inappropriate. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking to add to that, you know, and if I were to throw kind of an idea in there, I was thinking earlier about um, something to help facilitate uh, like safe exodus for a lot yeah. of, the, a lot of the people that are, are now finding themselves in the position of yeah. being, um, uh, oh geez, oh God, the word just skipped my mind basically the people that are now having to, to leave the Ukraine yeah and, and, and doing something to kind of help um them to you know to, to do that maybe a bit more safely um yeah um yeah I don't know I was thinking mm-hmm. about that earlier and I was I was thinking you know this actually uh for our particular group here and for many of the other witches and, and networks that we have around the, the, the world like this could be like a good this could be a good job for Hecate,
3: yeah.
1: Who is you know just just one just one data. I throw her out because she's one that, that is kind of one of our personal favorites here. But, mm-hmm. but there are many many deities, many Absolutely. deities in every pantheon, even within the Norse pantheon, that are um, mm-hmm. you know that are kind of like known to be like like I'm a protector of the outcast.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: um, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. My so, first so. instinct keeps coming back to using Ukraine's flag. Um, yeah. Maybe it as a tag lock I guess because this whole issue is over sovereignty of Ukraine if Russia wants their territory um re-establishing Ukraine's sovereignty as an independent country Mm -hmm. um that's that's where I keep going back to at least with all of this
1: yeah I I think that would be a good way to work that I was also um, I did kind of a little bit of a deep dive earlier today in between um Uh, Helping people here at the shop uh, on the again, kind of just to refresh my mind on some of the history,
3: yeah, and and
1: why we continue to see why uh, Russia in particular
3: Mm -hmm. continues to
1: target the Ukraine. You know why why it it seems like they you know they're it's so meaningful to them. You know to to the the leaders. You know historically and now of course Putin. um, Mm -hmm. You know to to hold power to reclaim that particular area of of the world and. and I think those are all good things to look into as well. I think if we're ever Absolutely. doing any kind of work, you know, where we're focusing on something like this, you know, we really do kind of need to know what the roots of that situation are.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah. Because those are all things that we can potentially weave into our own working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like the idea of the, of a, the flag as a tag, yeah. like that would be. Yeah. Okay. I I'm a firm believer that every political head has some
0: sort of. Um, some sort of, I don't know, magical secret service that surrounds them. That makes me sound like a conspiracy <laughs> theorist, but I, I'm, I have a firm belief, whether that is people who genuinely believe that this individual is doing what they're supposed to do and therefore are utilizing their own religion and their own power of prayer to surround them um, mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. I mean, I. I I firmly believe that when he even came to Trump, you know, I, right. there were so many times I was like, I just want to stuff his fucking heart in his chest. Right. Um, and yeah. no matter what, I always just got this like, no, no, nope, there's a block here. No.
2: Yeah.
0: And so like, go ahead, Lauren.
2: Oh, I was like, there's, there's some kind of like, almost like a political egregore for the, just the, the supporters who mm, of these people. Yeah.
1: That, that's that's actually that's a really good way to put that yeah that really is kind of what, have, what happened I have, in those situations. I have that working to destroy an egregore that i could just reword if i wanted to um, um if I, but if you think about okay and again i'm, I'm going to go back to what um what lauren was suggesting about this because you know using something like the flag of a, of a country right, uh, the flag of, of, of U- the ukraine as a focus as a visual focus as an energetic focus for a working like this would i think actually really be very powerful because mm-hmm. that symbol that representation is something that really is going to tap into the identity then the national identity uh personal identity of of pretty much everyone that would you know be Ukrainian right you know um you know or even utilizing the colors of the flag well well exactly or something like that you know but but that would be to me I think a really cool way to to kind of add energy or focus to a working because you're then going to have all of these people that already have that same intent, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I want to be free. I want to be sovereign. I am a a nation of the, or or, a a citizen of Ukraine. You know, I I don't want to be under the dictatorship of another country. You know, like, you already have so many other uh, consciousnesses, I guess, or like intelligence, you know, but like like just minds and hearts that are kind of there with you for a working Mm -hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. I can see that being a really, uh, kind of a really cool way to, to kind of raise energy there or kind of better focus in. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Very cool. All
0: right. mm-hmm. um, the, the way I've been thinking about it is to strip Putin's power away and give it to the people of the Ukraine.
3: Mm.
0: Almost like a siphoning spell. Um, I've seen really good success with stuff like this, where we go, you know what? We see that you have power. Wherever that power is placed, positive or negative, we're going to remove that from you, and we're going to transmute that and give that over to those who deserve it or those who need it. Um, And so (laughs) me... And, so uh, in
1: this era, though, I mean, that would really pretty much basically just come down or boil down to, like, perception.
0: Yep.
1: Right? Because in, these, because in these instances, very often the power is really primarily just rooted in the perception of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, P- Putin as a man is no, really no more powerful than anybody else on the streets of Russia, right? It is, mm. it is, it is the public's perception I mean, of him yeah. as, as their leader. And as a result, then the people that kind of fall in line behind him—well, mm-hmm. it's it, it would be the people who fall in line behind
0: him,
3: because mm-hmm. the people okay.
0: who, who see him, though they may have a perception that he is this powerful person, mm-hmm. they know he is still just human. Mm-hmm. And if any, anyone is listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a bullet to the head is going to take out whoever. They know this. Mm-hmm. However, the individuals that are behind him, who would be following out his orders. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that is because they are brainwashed and blindly following or whether that is because they are protected themselves by so, so they're, they're fearful. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so he, he has power because it has been given to him via the perception that
1: he is more than man.
2: So, okay. so well, yes.
1: well, I mean, I guess I, I, you know, and to be fair, I mean, that's a, that's a fairly um, the simplistic, I mean, there, there are a lot of other pieces there. Mm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Russian politics is really, really complex. Um, and yeah. yeah. it's very hard, even, there's, there's a lot of theories if, it, if it's even Putin that's truly in control of everything or not. It could be the oligarchs behind that. him, it could even be the military, and he's just the front for it. So a lot of this is difficult to pinpoint where to attack or where to focus energy exactly
1: yeah yeah that is yeah definitely something to also to consider yeah oh, well all right cool mm-hmm. all Right. well lauren once again i just i want to thank you so much you know you're always it's always a delight to have you on the podcast you're 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 you're, you're brilliant you're so intelligent you always bring such good information and um yeah and uh, so thank you so much
2: well, thank you. Yeah. I love chatting with you guys. It's always a fun conversation. Always really, really satisfying to have these conversations too. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's so nice to have intelligent conversations with people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, you, you act like you never have intelligent conversations any other time. Well, no, I have intelligent okay. conversations with you. <laughs> you
0: know, the, the people who are close to me I have intelligent yeah, people conversations. People with... who listen to this
1: that are going to be offended. Yeah. Uh, you know, but there's,
0: there's, there's, there's a difference between. Me, the teacher, sitting down and having a conversation with a student and seeing their eyes light up and them start to connect the dots and those, those circuits and things mm-hmm. start to fire. And that, that, that makes me happy. Like, yeah. oh, yes, I'm doing that mm-hmm. as a teacher. Okay. You're growing. You're doing things. And then sitting down with people who I consider equals yeah. on, like, an educational level and being like, oh, my God. Yes. Okay. <laughs> knowledge. Knowledge. But also, between you and Mike, like I said, I feel like a complete dunce. When it comes to history oh, and academia but you're my dunce.
3: oh thank you Aww.
0: um but like and and I, lauren if you are <laughs> ever in utah and you need a place to stay you just you just let us know
1: yeah oh. you know, yeah, yeah i you will know, you know and like i said if we ever make it back to your area we'll make sure we we have a, we make plans to come I, w- visit. I won't leave you alone
2: would she retreat in salem
0: there,
1: oh. there you go that'd be fun oh we could totally that would be. I'm gonna write that off as a business. Yeah, expense. we totally
2: could manifest but,
1: it. I guess. I guess that's true. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, those of you who listen, um, if you are, if you are a TikToker, um, you can uh, follow Lauren's many exploits at <laughs> which underscore way underscore up. Um, Lauren, are you are you okay sharing? Because I understand you're you're teaching them. Yeah. Um, I am at a shop there in your area. Could you, would you mind? Um, are you okay? Like maybe sharing some details on that, like that shop and, and some sure. of what you're doing
2: Yeah. So I am teaching classes at Cauldron and Thorn in Erie, Pennsylvania. Ooh. So if you're local, come on out. Okay. Um, I've done, we've done a sigil class and a candle magic class that just happened on Sunday. So lots of fun stuff happening. Um, yeah
1: very nice well, okay. i love the name i am yeah the name, yeah the name is very it's very cool but you know but we also we're but we're biased because we got cauldron in our name too yeah. but, <laughs> uh, anyway, um cauldron's always good right
2: oh yeah um, we like to stir the pot it's fine yeah
1: there you go exactly so anyway and things mm-hmm. are good there i think one of the last times we talked with you you were kind of saying like the shop is there is in, in erie is like it's kind of new um-hmm um, yeah it's,
2: it's new good... but thriving absolutely oh, good, yeah. okay,
1: good, good. I'm, I'm i'm very happy to hear that okay good yeah. all right okay well again thank you so much and and of course again thank you to all of our listeners all right thank yeah. you yeah, thank you uh, yeah, so we'll, much we will, we will call yeah. this an episode all right yeah
0: okay we'll talk to you later uh, it's late where you're at lauren have a good evening
2: <laughs> thank you you too Bye.
0: bye,
2: bye.
0: Okay, that was a really lovely episode with Lauren. We always love having Lauren on about um, so many things. Such a
1: awesome mind and just so much knowledge there. Well, they're just, yeah, just, just yeah. and And the information is always, you can trust the information, which is really good. A lot of people I find, not on our podcast, of course, because we always... You know, we always do what we can to make sure that we're presenting good information. But, um, but I I know there are you know over the years I've bumped into a few other voices, other people who are very good at talking, but a lot of what they're talking about really isn't, to be honest, really very reliable yeah. information. So, yeah. um, and and she's she's got a voice that is like, okay, you 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 hear this, this is legit. I I would take um, university classes from her. Yeah, she would be my favorite professor. Yeah. So, all right, so this extra tidbit, okay, kind of this post Uh, post-script, what do you call it, an epilogue um, to our episode um, is to address a question that came through from a listener on our prior episode. We did an episode uh, on the astral realm, right? Astral work, astral travel, these kinds of things, and we had a question from one of our listeners, and the question basically was, how exactly, and we want to be specific here, okay, but how exactly does one do energy work? something within the realm maybe of say like healing work mm-hmm. in the astral realm. So, okay, did you want to, you want to start? I'll go ahead and start. Okay. That. All
0: right. So in order for you to do energy work on anyone, you first need to know who you're doing it on, particularly if it's long distance, you know, having a name is helpful. Um, having some sort of connection to that person is also very helpful. Even just,
1: even just like a picture of their face. Yeah,
0: even just a picture of their yeah. face is really, really helpful. Um, and if you're going to do something, do some energy work uh, of healing on the astral realm, you need to first understand that you need to, you, I'm not a fan of permission always, particularly when it comes to healing work, because sometimes people are just stubborn. But I will say you will need to do something in the realm of like, okay, My people are going to talk to their people so that there's no there's no misunderstandings or anything like that, Um, particularly if you're going to be doing work on another energy worker or witch, because most of the time we're pretty in tune with our spirits and our spirits will take anything that's like an external thing that's not familiar to us. Like as a like, nope, you're closed off. So that's the that's those are the first two things you need to do. The third thing is you need to make sure that you are focused and you don't want to try and do it too long. Um, if you're going to do energy healing on an astral level, don't try and make it all one night thing, you know, do it for maybe 30 minutes and kind of set up that alarm system of like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this within the realms of this time frame, And I'm telling my body that at that point, I'm going to come back here and we're going to move forward. On top of that, you need to know what you're healing. Yeah. You really do need to know what you're healing. Like, mm-hmm. just showing up, I'm like, I'm going to do energy work on you. And you just kind of see this energetic body in the ether kind of mm-hmm. just floating there. And it's like, on what? Yeah. You know, you need to be specific. That's That's also a, a big thing. So... Okay. Th- th- those are kind of like my tidbits. There, I don't necessarily do energy healing or healing work on an astral level for people.
1: Um, well, I, and I should clarify, again, this wasn't just specific to healing work. Okay. Uh, but but I think that that, that I, I say that kind of maybe as an example. Okay. Um, you know, because really, you know, we could do any any amount of kind of you know different kind of energetic work on the astral, right? Anything that we can do in in our conscious waking life, we could potentially see something mirroring that in the astral, mm-hmm. right? So um, so it's not just healing. But I agree with you on the points that you shared. Um, one of the things that I, I felt was important to kind of clarify in answering this question is that there is a, a belief in most spiritualities that are going to involve or um, have a concept of something like the astral realm and astral travel. There is going to be a belief or an understanding that the human body, our physical body, um, or I should just say again our, our body is actually multiple bodies that kind of overlap each other. We have our physical form but there's also an emotional body and we have uh, of course a psychic or a spiritual body right um, which is usually going to be the one that we kind of send off as we're doing astral travel work and so there is this kind of an understanding that what would potentially happen or what could be done energetically to one of our bodies would mirror or would manifest to some extent in the other aspects of our of our of our being, right? If we address it or we heal it, we work with it on uh, in the astral body. Uh, you know as we would see the the result or the effect of that also materializing in our physical body and we know this is how this works we have we have evidence we have stories of people that do astral work or even people that have other kinds of -of out-of-body kinds of work you know they they have an experience in that other realm they come back to their physical body you know and they'll have um, you know, physical sensitivities, you know, maybe even something within the realm of bruising, you know, in, as a result of maybe something that happened to them in the astral realm, right? And I realize that's a negative example, but, but it does work in the positive as well. Um, so I think that's an important thing to clarify, okay? Now, as far as the, the practice and the energy work, I also want to say that when you are in the astral realm... And you are experienced, okay, and that's very important, okay, because you don't want to be doing astral travel work, you don't want to be utilizing that to try to do other kinds of spiritual work until you've really mastered your, your work just with the astral travel, right, like one at a time. Right um, but w- if you get to that point where you're feeling a sense of security, you're doing astral travel astral projection astral travel work you know with really out a lot without a lot of whole extra effort you know um then you know maybe try one of these other things, but i'm i'm gonna I'm gonna say that most of the time and Austin, you know I'd like your opinion on this, most of the time when you are in the astral realm and the cons are are the uh, given what's going on and you find yourself in a need to be doing some sort of energetic work, mm-hmm. it's been my experience that most of the time that's actually fairly intuitive, yeah. Like you kind of just react. Yeah, uh,
0: in the astral realm, it, it is very much that it is reactive. You know, I remember the first time that I was lucidly, I guess, like remembering and like actively doing astral work, mm-hmm. um, and I came across um, this entity that was causing some havoc, um, just in one of my one of my coven's coven partners. Okay. Life, a covenor, uh, yeah, yeah, a covenor's um, life, uh, and as per my training, I had to figure this out. So I showed up, and once it realized that I was there, it attacked, and it was instinctual. It was, it came at me, and I like boom, armor, shield, you know. So it was very instinctual, very intuitive, um, because the part of ourselves um, that we project astrally is usually that more primal self, so it has those more, it has that more intuitive, I guess,
1: um, mm-hmm. sense of what needs to be done. Okay, all right. Well, and I think it's also fair to, to mention, and again, you know, please feel, feel free to give me, you know, your, your opinion on this, or your, uh, you know, your experience on this, but I think it's also good to... to um, you know, to, to say that, you know, when we're working with something, say, like the astral realm and the process around astral travel, everything within that space, as we understand even in, in our waking life, mm-hmm. everything is really just energy. Yep. And we, we, are, we, because we are, or when we are in the astral realm, because we are a little more removed of the physical limitations that we have in a waking state, yeah. um, that if we feel it, if we can visualize it, it happens. Yep. You know, and the, the the story that you just shared, you know, you you, in, you in react in, intuitively, instinctually, like this is, I'm under attack, boom, here yeah. I have some sort of shield or armor. Yeah. I, right. I legitimately think what happened was it came for me
0: and my monkey brain was like, Protego! Like, I think I literally, Bad. like, yelled a Harry Potter spell. You and the Harry like, Potter Like, my astral self, but... uh, I was, Protego! And it was just shield, you know, because okay. my subconscious mind knew Protego means protect
1: yeah um, well and that's not just a Harry Potter reference that exactly it's Latin yeah. yeah
0: and yeah. so so it, it is very instinctual you know um, a, another good example is think like Green Lantern
1: you know do I have to
0: well I don't want to like attribute magic and witchcraft and spirituality and energy to that but like Green Lantern with his ring and, and that power the, the, the power of the Lantern core, anything he could imagine yeah He could create a fist armor, so anything he could create—fist, animal, whatever—would be there as long as he could imagine it. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, all right. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I hate, I hate falling back on like pop culture references for these things, but they do, they do, they are very explanatory. So uh, you know, so that's not a, not a bad thing. So okay, all right. So let's actually talk about in practice. Okay, so you and you and i both i think have had instances you were just relating one where we've been in the astral realm and we've needed to do some sort of energetic work okay um and i i find based on my own experiences at least that when that happens i usually try to and i'll even set this up for myself before i like before i actually kind of detach and go like i'll i'll go to bed i'll I'll get into that trance state whatever it is i need to do you know or however it is i'm doing that and i will um actually usually hold an image in my mind of myself in a particular space, usually a space that I associate with healing or that I might associate the, you know the other person perhaps that I'm trying to maybe maybe see the energy work done um, that I will associate with the result that I want. you know if I'm you know I keep defaulting to healing but let me let me throw out another example. okay so say I'm working some spell work I'm doing some energy work to try to uh, facilitate uh a relationship who knows maybe i want like a new relationship partner right oh. don't look at me like that um anyway but say i'm say where I, say for example i was going to do that right okay and so what i'm going to do on the astral realm in essence you know in, in essence is i'm going to um create a space to create a situation within the astral realm that is conducive to that for me not just for me but also potentially for maybe whoever that other person might be, right? because that's kind of what you want to do. You want to be able to go in and focus on this is the the energy I'm trying to attract. this is this is kind of the environment that I would find this this kind of situation to be uh, more suitable. you know these are the kinds of energies. these are the emotions that would be conjured, right? Um, and all of that, to be honest, is energy. All of that is energy. and all of that is something that you could work uh, in tandem with with you know working that could be done in like the actual like waking state. You know to kind of make that happen right we see things happen or change in one realm we see a parallel of that in another right um you know talking about healing because i think healing is a really effective form of energy work for astral or, or, or um, for the astral realm right we see again a situation where perhaps you are um you create like an astral double of that person you know and it could even be you right you could be creating an astral double of yourself you know, in the astral realm and you are seeing that, or you are then doing what you would would see would be healing, right? Maybe you are putting your hands upon a particular area of that person's body, you know, and you are, are channeling like life force and healing and balance, right? You're, you know, you're, there are so many ways that you can do this. Um, you know, depending on again, what it is that you are, are trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any any other details? Not really. I mean, the most... There's so much
0: fear centered around astral travel, astral projection, astral work, because of whatever. I might get trapped. Oh, the silver... Th- and all I can say is you don't know until you try. Mm-hmm. And with all y'all out there who are constantly cleanse, 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 protect, 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 if you're so terrified of doing astral work after you've done, you know, Thirteen protection spells on yourself
1: this week. You obviously don't trust your magic enough, so give up being a witch. Okay. Would you say, and I'm I'm throwing this out there, and I I, I have the answer to this from my own experience as 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 a witch, as a practitioner, as a healer. But uh, but you are uh, you are a Reiki master mm-hmm. here at the shop. Um, would you say that that undertaking or learning um, some sort of healing modality? like that, something that specifically incorporates distance healing Mm -hmm. as a component of its practice, would that be a good thing maybe to invest in or study to help set you up for... uh, And and bear with me, okay? The only reason I'm I'm throwing this out there is that this would be something that could maybe help familiarize someone with the concept of uh, visualization, transfer of energy, these kinds of things over a distance.
0: Yes. I, I would I would agree with that one hundred percent. I will also say, um, even when you're doing long distance Reiki work, mm-hmm. you are still somewhat astrally projecting. Okay. That's just that's just how it works. You are the process they're in, without revealing too much, is their visualization is key.
1: Okay. You
0: know, you need you need to know the person's name. Where are you sending it? You know, yeah. you don't necessarily need the address, so sometimes that can help. You know, yeah. one of my first Reiki teachers taught me that. Yeah. Um, but you need to know that person where you're sending it. Yeah. And you have a visualization that goes along with that, and it's very similar to what you you described—a yeah. place that you would associate with healing. Yeah.
1: So, well, well, and you could do that in fairly mundane ways. Like I'm sitting here now, and my brain, my mind is running on 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 the ways to do this. So, say you wanted to. Uh, you were applying for a job mm-hmm. right uh, or wanted a new position in your current employment situation right and you could through the process of astral work you could go into the astral astral realm and create say maybe like a duplicate of you say your your boss's office mm-hmm. right and you are in that astral state you're going into that office and there is an astral double of your boss sitting there at their desk Right. And you begin a conversation and in the, the course of that conversation is basically basically along the lines of I want this promotion. I want this raise. I want this job. And you are seeing them through the double that you've created of them. You are seeing them say, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Here you go. This is yours. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would be though, though, again, I'm a very simple explanation. That would be another example of how you could effectively work energy. On the astral realm. Yep. And again, most of that is something that's going to be, I think, fairly instinctual or intuitive.
0: Yep. yep. There's there's no one way. You know, there are ways that are probably more effective, mm-hmm. um, but there's no one way. Yep. You know, for me, if I'm going to do distance healing work on someone, I don't have a particular room that I go in. It's just my own personal area that I've kind of built. That's just mine that I go to if I'm going to do anything mm-hmm. um, in my own little, my own little nook of the, of the astral realm. Mm-hmm. And they're, I just, they're floating there and I just do the work. Yeah. And sometimes I'll even go through, like, you've seen me do distance work. Sometimes I'll be sitting for 30 minutes as if I'm doing a full 30 minute session and I will go through the entire process mm-hmm. yeah. doing it, yeah. um, setting it up on an astral state,
3: yeah.
0: you know, and cool things about a lot of the healing work and astral work when you do stuff like that is you can set up like a time, like you do the, do the visualization, go and you can do that work and say, this is going to take effect at this time on this day. Mm -hmm. And then set that up and let that go.
1: Well, and I think it's important if you're particularly in the realm of doing energetic work within the realm, uh, we'll say of healing Mm -hmm. specifically, I think it is always a good idea. Not that this is always possible, of course, uh, but if you can get the person who would be on the receiving end of that healing, to work with you in that process. Yeah. You know, I think that's always going to be much more effective. That's just going to kind of take what you're doing and make it a little a little better. Yeah. You know, and the way to do that really is pretty simple. You know, um I, I used utilized this method years ago. You know, I had someone who was dealing with a particular health concern and in the process of doing healing work for this person on the astral realm, I, I kind of told them I said, okay, so on this night at this time I want you to simply lay in bed. I want you to relax. I want you to do the best you can to to clear anxiety and worry and any kind of negative thought from your mind. And I want you to hold a heating pad over this area of your body. And I want you to know or to trust that the sensation of the heat, the warmth of that heating pad on that area of your body, that that's gonna be the exact same area of your body that I'm going to be focusing energy in. You know, And I found that even just on a psychological level, mm-hmm. that helped her. To be able to um, process the energy and the intent of what we were doing, yeah. I found that actually gave her a much better result for the healing. Um, you know, and again, just just one example, right? I, I think it's always good when we can um, merge the the physical with the you know the ethereal. Yeah, right? so, I agree. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, that's it. All right.
0: Don't bring and, fear into your craft, and you'll be all right.
1: There you go. All right, well, thank you so much. Uh, as always, if you have any other questions, anybody who listens, uh, you know, contact us. Let us know. We will, we, we will get that. you an answer. We love questions.